congregation may be seated. Grace to you and peace from God our Father and from our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ. Amen. The Old Testament lesson, the epistle, and the gospel all deal with, with one theme, and it, it is righteousness. Either godly and God-righteous, the one where God imputes righteousness. He says that this thing is righteous. Or, the only other alternative, self-righteousness. In the Old Testament lesson, we see Abram. He does a righteous thing that God requests of him. He goes to the land that God will show him. But Abram doesn't go by himself and don't think for a second that Abraham went, ooh, yeah, I agree, I will. It is the word of God that calls Abraham to go. The word comes and says, Abram, go. And he goes. And that going is imputed to Abraham as an Abram as righteousness. That is so important for us to realize. And we will see that in every situation where a person does go at the call of God, usually through Jesus Christ, go and they go. Not usually, always through Jesus Christ because he is the word uh, become flesh. And even in the Old Testament, he is there as the word, but not yet in flesh. It's the word of God. That's the power of God to move. It's the power of God to do, to create, to bring forth life. And that's what we see in Abram is life. Was Abram perfect in this righteousness? Oh no, far from it. No, instead, and we see Abram do this in his own life when he becomes Abraham, and he has the promise of God, and he has the, the covenant that God has made with him, and he decides to be what? Well, self-righteous, which means, you know what, God? I'll do it. Sarah and I, will do it. We'll also include Hagar, and we'll all three together take care of this for you, God. We know how that turns out. And then the epistle lesson, I mean, I don't think you can get a more clear statement of what righteousness is. It is of and from God, period. How much help does God need from you in righteousness? Nothing, zero, zip, zilch. And then in the gospel lesson, we actually see this manifest. It happens under the cloak of darkness. It always does. The self-righteous always will, will operate under the cloak of, of darkness, especially when it with regard to their sin. But that's the case for all of us. That's how we operate in our sin, is under the cloak of darkness. That's when I do my best sinning, is at night in darkness. And maybe not at night, but maybe in the clear of day, especially when no one's around and no one is looking. Sound like you? That's right. And here we have the Pharisee, the self-righteous, coming to Jesus with a question. And what an interesting and profound question. The Pharisee, his name was Nicodemus. He came to Jesus at night and said, Rabbi, we know you are a teacher who has come from God. No one can, could perform the miraculous signs you are doing if God were not 
with him. Well, the Pharisee misses the, the reality. God is not with Jesus. It is not the case that, uh, that he is just a teacher from God. See, this is not like Abram or Abraham. No, this is God himself. God incarnate. This is the word now become flesh. And the Pharisee can't see it. Why? Because of his own self-righteousness. You see, the Pharisee is a follower and keeper of the law. In regard to human forms, he does it well. And he would be applauded by those others who also are practitioners and followers and teachers of the law. But we don't have a teacher of the law in front of us this morning. Jesus is not a teacher of the law. He is not a bringer of the law. He is not a preacher of the law as though there were things that we would have to do in order to attain the salvation that he brings. That's not what's happening. Jesus is God. Period. That should be the end of the story. But let's keep going. Jesus is God, which means that he has come to do something other than just bring more law. He is the fulfiller of law. And even when and if Jesus speaks law, he is, as he speaks it, the fulfiller of the law that he would even bring. Go and make disciples. There's a law. Go and make disciples. Baptizing in the name of the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. Teaching them to obey everything I commanded you. Surely I'm with you always to the very end of the age. This is a law. Jesus fulfills the law as he speaks it. It is the word made flesh, this word that is the power unto salvation, that causes the actual going. The same thing that happened to Abram all the way back in Genesis is the same thing that happens to us. The word go causes the going. The word make causes the making. The word disciples causes the disciples. You see, it's the word of God that has caused in you and in me the faith that even believes and accepts Jesus Christ as Lord and Savior. All this by the power of God through the Holy Spirit. You see, the Pharisee is confused. His confusion is wrapped tightly around him by the righteousness that he himself has done for himself, which amounts to zero in the eyes of God. Actually, this self-righteousness is an enemy of God. If anybody thinks for a second that the things that they do attain salvation for them, they are anti-gospel. They are against the grace of God, which means they are themselves anti-Christ. That is the foundation of evil. But, then, but now comes this grace and mercy of God that is meant for sinners. It's intended for the self-righteous too. 
But how difficult is it for a person who has already attained salvation for themselves through the keeping of the law to believe in the one who would then be and be the fulfillment of the law for them? That's why blessed are we who recognize we are poor, miserable sinners, beggars, beggars when it comes to salvation, beggars when it comes to righteousness, beggars when it comes to the good, of, good works of God, beggars meaning that we are poor, not only poor, but destitute when it comes to, to works and righteousness. We beg for God to accomplish in us good and to proclaim us then by the blood of Jesus Christ righteous. Jesus' response to the Pharisee, Nicodemus, to the self-righteous one, Nicodemus, is I tell you the truth, no one can see the kingdom of God unless he is, oh, in these two words, born again. <laughs> Why did you have to say it, Jesus? Why did you have to say the words born again? Because now there's a new law. Oh, you have to be born again. And what we as self-righteous Christians will do is take that, we'll wrap it up and create a theology behind it and talk about how you have to be born again. And you cannot be born again until you feel it or whatever it is that's going on, whatever kind of theology we wrap around it. And we miss the point again. We go from self-righteousness into grace and in a grace of righteousness. We create ways to be self-righteous. Leave it alone. Stop messing with it. Let the word of God be the word of God. You have to be born again. And if that's not clear enough, because the Pharisee, the self-righteous is going, okay, so I need to enter my mother's womb again? I tell you the truth, no one can enter the kingdom of God unless he is born of water and the Spirit. So let's make it even more pointed. Water and the Spirit. We should be done. Cleans our hands of this theology and this doctrine. It's this easy. Baptism. Oh, well now let's take baptism and make it a righteous work. Oh no, stop. It's God's water. It's God's word. It's God's salvation. It's God's Holy Spirit. It's God's work. It's all God, 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 God. There is no man involved and no human will or desire or understanding involved in the sacrament of baptism. It's all God. You must be, be born again. See, it doesn't say you must birth yourself again through water and the Spirit. Now, if it had said that, then I would give our opponents a, a mile of, 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 of understanding. But I have no understanding. And we have no understanding if there is anything to do with the human desire or will or understanding in the sacrament. It's God. Pure. Simple. Easy. So why do we baptize? God said so. Why do we baptize children? God said so. Because they're included in the commandment, all nations, which God himself fulfills. 
Jesus Christ fulfills all nations when he then is sent and preached to all nations. And as he's preached to all nations, by the faith that he's created in those who would and do preach and teach, you and me. Do you see, I want you to see that if you don't hear anything else today in this sermon other than God has done it all. God's baptism, God's waters, God's word, God's righteousness, imputed and proclaimed to me and to you. Am I righteous in and of myself? No, I struggle with my sins. So do you. And we have a God who proclaims through the blood of his son, I'm righteous, and so are you. Now the, the self-righteous at this point in the sermon might start crying out, cheap. It's not cheap. It's as valuable and as expensive as the blood of God's son. It is meted out freely with nothing attached to it. Cheap? Nope, not cheap. Free, completely free. That's obvious in our epistle lesson today. So here we are, sinners, all of us, proclaimed by the blood of Jesus Christ to be forgiven. How? Why? By God, through God, through the means of grace, by the power of his word that enables God to subdue all things to himself. We go forth then. In the midst of a world that would have us fear, in the midst of coronaviruses, in the midst of, of flus, in the midst of, of cancers, in the midst of, of diagnosis of Parkinson's disease, we go out and we move in faith, by faith, created by God, all from God, through God, and for God. Amen. And now may the peace of God, it transcends our ability to even understand or comprehend. May it guard your hearts and your minds, always focused on your Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. Amen.